This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest today is an expert in this. He's helping lots of people do this well in their in their businesses. His name is Mark Kappelman. Mark brings 16 years of accounting operations, real estate experience to the company Real Estate Accounting. Over the past 10 years, Mark has acquired greater than 15 million of real estate across uh, 40 units, providing him with hands-on experience across all types of real estate transactions. Uh, he's also an active investor across numerous real estate deals as an LP. Uh, he, he and his wife, as you'll hear through the conversation, have flipped numerous homes. His wife is also a CPA. So it's interesting conversation just because we've been in the process, which you'll hear more about in this conversation, of hiring a controller so we can gain more control at Lockbridge Capital over this process and bring it in-house and really so I can push it more, right? I, I can drill in more to the process uh, and, and take more third-party people out of the equation. However, Mark, uh, which you will hear us talk about, you know, he does this third party and they do it. They seem to do it very well. And so I, I enjoyed this conversation specifically because of what we are going through right now as we speak, as we go back into tax season again, and as we are pushing hard as we can to get those K-1s out on time this year for our investors, uh, which is so important to us uh, this year as every year. But Mark's going to help you to do that better today. Something that has become near and dear to my heart over this last year is property accounting. As exciting as that sounds to everyone, right? Man, it needs to be exciting. I, I can just share from personal experience. You better get excited about it if you're dealing with you know, thousands of investors, right? It's so important and it has become more and more important on our end or for me personally. And our guest today is an expert in just that. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Whitney, thanks you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, honored to have you on. Looking forward to this conversation as I've been in the hiring process now for months for a controller and, and really just to bring more control in-house, right, of this process. I'm looking forward to talking to you, Mark, about this and and uh, getting some tips and helping listeners to do a better job at this as well, uh, as we have just, we have overhauled this process uh, over the last I would say six months now as we brought management in-house as well. And so, man, a lot of big changes and good changes, big changes, but really good ones for LifeBridge over the last six months in this degree. And so, Mark, welcome to the show. Give the listeners a little more about your background. I know you've done a lot in real estate also, uh, and now you are hyper-focused in property accounting. You know, what, what does that mean exactly? And how did you get there? Yeah, I'll try to simplify it. You know, the last, I guess, 20 years now, it seems we've been going at it, but a little less. But I went to college, wanted to be a business major, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had some uncles that were CPAs that said, hey, go into accounting, get your CPA. You at least have this concrete designation coming out. And it's the language of business. So you could go do anything after that. At least you have that concrete trade. So I'm like, okay. So I went and did that. I went to Arizona State, got my undergrad, got my master's. And then as I'm, you know, looking and trying to be, you know, I'm now in public accounting at Ernst & Young, I'm trying to be a partner and I get introduced to this little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read this book and, you know, there's a quote in the book that says, why climb the corporate ladder when you can own the ladder? That statement changed everything for me. And I realized, oh man, you know, I'm, maybe I'm going about this all wrong. And of course that book, he's all about real estate. So I just started diving into real estate. And then I became convinced, hey, I want to get into real estate. 
So fast forward about five years, you know, I'd gone from Ernst Young, actually went into PwC because uh, I'd moved to Chicago. My wife and I start flipping houses. And that was back, this was like 2013 when it was all those shows on TV of flip this house and, you know, make all sorts of profits flipping houses. And we were like, yeah, look, we were both accountants. My wife actually is a CPA also. And so we were like, I think this could be our entrepreneurial kind of side hustle. And so we started doing that. And what we quickly realized was we flipped a house, then we got a couple going, and then we bought a six flat. And all of a sudden, this side hustle was kind of growing. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm still working full time, as is she. And accounting became nights and weekends and early mornings. And it was like, man, I just don't have the time to do this. So we outsourced our own accounting two different times and it came back horrible. People didn't understand NOI. They didn't understand what to capitalize versus R&M. They didn't understand the presentation, GPR, all these things that I guess I was maybe taking for granted that I thought they should know. Communication wasn't good. And so that was kind of where we got the idea for, and who's just focused on property accounting? who is just focused on real estate, started looking out there, couldn't really find anybody. Fast forward a couple of years, my now business partner, who was a college roommate, and he came to me and I started telling him about this problem. And he's like, well, let's just start a, let's start a bookkeeping company. I'm like, really? And, he, and I'm like, well, if we're going to start a bookkeeping company, we need to focus on real estate. And he's like, let's do it. Uh, and that was about four years ago. And fast forward, you know, now we have over a hundred accountants and you know, we're running REA today. Wow. Over a hundred from from being frustrated about your own bookkeeping, right? To having over a hundred accountants employed, it's incredible. Uh, I love the the growth mindset, right? And and striving to do it well, but then hey, seeing a problem that you can go fix, right? And and seeing a niche really to dive into, uh, where you can create a ton of value for a lot of people uh, and a great business uh, for yourself. Uh, it's neat how you got there. So I, I guess my niche down on property level versus being able to say anybody, any business, or do you? Just if I take a step back and just about business and, you know, you know, there's those cliche lines, but I really like it, which is the riches are in the niches. Um, but it's really about even when I was at PwC and Ernst & Young, they wanted us all to specialize. If they wanted you to specialize in oil and gas, you could be an oil and gas guy or girl because it's the same issues over and over again. You become a subject matter expert and you become super valued to the layman client that doesn't know and hasn't seen these same issues. So, you know, it became obvious that we said, hey, look, let's become the best property accountants possible. A huge industry. We love real estate. I didn't really get into my background, but, you know, a big reason why we always thought we would have a competitive advantage was that in my process of flipping some houses and doing these deals, I have syndicated. I have raised money. I've done operating agreements. Uh, and done all these different things and manage property. So I, so I not only understand, you know, how to do the accounting, debits and credits, assets, liabilities, all that stuff, but I've actually operated, you know, so it becomes a lot easier for us to empathize with our clients. Yeah, for sure. Are, are there specific, uh, you know, say uh, areas of the business, you know, uh, in accounting, bookkeeping that you handle for clients or how, how does that look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. So, Accounting, bookkeeping can be broad. There's K-1s, there's 1099s, there's a host of different things. Generally speaking, and we support with both of those, I'll get into that, but really we focus on 
we kind of break it down to three key areas, which is bank recs, AP, and the financial statement close process. So bank recs are just what it sounds. Every single month, you need to make sure that all the activity that happened to your bank is reflected in your accounting system. Uh, if you're a third-party property manager, you know your local state real estate department of real estate, DRE, is going to require it. If they ever come audit you, it's going to be, send me your bank recs. That's the first thing they're going to ask you. We do that for 99.9% .9 of our clients. We literally have one client where we don't do bank recs. So we always do bank recs. The next area is AP. And so that is all the bills that your vendors are sending you, maintenance, could be anything, cleaning. Those bills need to get added into the system and they need to get paid. And so that's a big area of what we do. And then finally, it's just the financial statement close process. And, you know, maybe we're going to get into it, but that looks super, a lot different for the type of client we're working for. If it's an owner operator that has a bunch of LPs, that reporting package might be a P&L, a balance sheet, and a cash flow compared to a pro forma, because now we're reporting out to LPs and people want to know, hey, you said you were going to do this. What did we do? Versus if you're a third-party manager and you're managing properties for John Doe or Jane Doe that owns a couple single family homes, that's going to be an owner statement that says beginning cash balance, rents received, expenses, distribution, ending cash balance. And so that's kind of how we see the world of uh, accounting, AP, bank recs, and reporting. The one thing that I guess I didn't say was accounts receivable, and that's all the tenant charges. And the reason I didn't say that is really at this point, and, and I'd be curious to know, you know, in your business, Whitney, but most of our clients at this point, greater than 90% of their tenants are paying online through the portal. And then the actual process of recording the accounts receivable and the tenant receipt and the deposit in the bank is automated by the software. It's only become super manual if you've got the people that are still sending you in checks. <laughs> and I see oh. you smiling. Oof. <laughs> I would say it is 90%. And if it's, uh, you know, that 10% as we're still pushing to help them to do it electronically, right? It just, man, takes That's out right. guesswork. Uh, I mean, for everybody involved in that process. And then and there's so many other people involved yeah, just by that one thing being manual, right? Instead of electronic. So uh, I agree. If, if people are sending in checks, then that becomes part of the bank rec process. But bank recs, AP and reporting are really the big areas that require a, a ton of time, I would say. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful as you break those things down, because each of those things have to be thought about, right? Who's responsible for each of those things? If you have a business number of employees, you're going to have all those things to deal with, right? One way or the right. other. And what I do know about numerous parts of our business is that at one time or another, my business partners have I've had, my business partner and I've had to do everything in the business, but anything that we are not an expert in, man, I just try to quickly outsource it, right? Or I hire somebody that's an export or ex an expert in that thing. Or that's what, that's how we've grown as fast. I think, you know, one of many reasons uh, that we have is that, you know, we've just tried to find experts in, in places, hey, we are not as fast as possible. Uh, and this is one of those areas that, that we've never had any expertise in, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. never, right? Uh, and and don't claim to, but I know the importance of it. Uh, you know, I'm not a CPA and some of this stuff, you know, you, you even list these things off and I'm like, oh boy, yeah, I need to <laughs> you know, yeah. think about it. So hey, I want to dive in though, too, because we've done this as well. Uh, you know, it's like benefits of outsourcing versus hiring in-house. 
Uh, and let's talk through that a little bit because that's something we've been dealing with. And I'll share with the listeners. I know we have a number of our investors that listen to this show as well. Uh, and so I'll say, hey, LifeBridge has has just we we have worked so hard to try to get these K ones out on time this year because we've not we've not had the best success at that in the last couple of years. And and I know that is a major pain point to many of our investors. But from one reason or the other, and, and some of it completely out of our control. But however, it's still my responsibility. We're trying to improve that process. One way, you know, I mean, actually, we've made many strides already this year. One big way we've done that this year is to bring management in house. Uh, which has allowed us to have so much better or cleaner books, right? From the very mm-hmm. beginning, we've added software. We've, I mean, all these things, all these processes that we never had before that are, that are giving us so much better books, faster, cleaner, all, all these things like you're talking about, even from the, that process, we're being able to automate uh, so much uh, and it's done faster. But I would love to hear your opinion, outsourcing versus hiring. And I'm happy to share you know, what we've done and are doing as well. Yeah, we get this question a lot. And so I love this question and there's pros and cons to both, right? I'm not just trying to make this so one-sided. So few things. One is speed of implementation. If you have an accountant quit or you're the owner, operator, entrepreneur that's just doing all the work and you need to make a change. If you call REA, we can be up and running and working on your account in days, not weeks, right? If, if, if you go with insourcing, you need to post a job. You need to interview people. You need to buy a laptop. You're telling me. That. We, need to, we need to do all these different things. And I know you said earlier, you're trying to hire a controller. So that's a process versus you hire us. We have a call. We can get up and running very quickly. Because like I said, we're hiring four people per month if I didn't say that. Scalability is one of the other really big ones that our clients that we've been working with a while just love with us just because, you know, they just have the confidence because we're growing at the rate we're growing. If they are at 300 units, I'm making that up, and they buy a 200 unit building, they don't need to go hire another accountant. They can just say, hey guys, we just added this building. Can you allocate more staff to the team, more hours to the account each month? Yep, no problem. This is all we do. Send us the closing statement. And that kind of dovetails into kind of some of the expertise, which would be what I always say to people is property managers, owner operators, you don't need accountants. You need accounting outcomes. You need timely bank recs, you need the financials done, and you need all your bills inputted. And that's kind of where we excel. A couple other things I would say is there's no single point of failure. So if you hire a person in-house, and let's say that's Mark, if Mark gets sick or Mark goes on vacation, the accounting stops. Whereas if you're working with us, we have almost always two, if not three, depending on the size of the client, four different people working on it. So it's highly unlikely, unless we've got a company vacation or a holiday, that all people are going to be out. So the accounting kind of always keeps going. There's no single point of failure if somebody missed an email because multiple people are working on the account. Turnover is another big one. If you have an accountant in-house and that person quits, now all of a sudden you have to go out and rehire, retrain this person. Whereas on our side, since we have multiple people working on your accounting, if one person decides to leave REA, we've got all the documentation. We record every call with our clients. We take copious notes. And it's pretty easy for us to just kind of slot somebody in. And the client doesn't really feel that turnover. And then I would just say, generally speaking, we're cheaper because we're 1099 contractors. So there's no payroll taxes. 
There's no laptop. There's no unemployment. If for some reason you have to fire us, there's just, you know, we usually say it's about 30% cheaper to outsource versus insource. The pushback maybe we get is, well, hey, you know, we want you just working on our account or we want to be able to walk down the hall and just make sure when we call, you're going to pick up the phone. We pride ourselves on quick email response times. Everybody's got a cell phone, email signature. We all pick up the phone. So, I mean, that to me, and those are kind of the, the big benefits to outsourcing. And of course, you can always find a rock star in-house. But I mean, as you probably know, and I don't even know what you, software you use, each one of these softwares are very specific. They all have a bunch of intricacies. And you got to go find somebody that understands that software at a deep level and can play all the positions of adding a bill, which is the entry level stuff to recording a purchase and sale and a 1031. And that stuff gets super complex. And those are not easy people to find. That's interesting. You say you like a more junior or senior level accounting or accountant. Uh, and I was going to ask you, where where would outsourcing typically play? Would it be more junior? Could it be senior? And then you have somebody junior in-house. I don't, I'm, it would seem like an odd scenario, but what does that typically look like? Yeah, I mean, look, we bring all of those to the engagement. You know, so the way we're staffed in-house is we've got a team of bookkeepers uh, that are adding the bills and reconciling the banks. We've got an account manager that's reviewing the bookkeeper's work and being the primary point of contact with the client. And then we have on our staff controllers that were controllers previously at property management companies or developers uh, or syndicators that now work for us. And the difference is, is they're allocated a small amount of time to each client each month because most clients don't need a full-time controller. Maybe you guys are different. You guys are quite large. But like, you know, a lot of clients, they only needed a controller for a few hours a month. They needed just somebody to review the financials to make sure that like it passes the sniff test of there's not something glaringly wrong with the PL or the balance sheet. And that's where this controller, CPA, accountants with 10 plus years experience come into play. And so that's kind of how we staff the engagement. So we have clients where we play the junior and the senior role. We have clients where we play the junior role, which was the example I gave before. We have other clients where They've got a junior person where we, we, where we are actually the senior person on the account. So we can kind of play either spot. Hopefully that made sense. Uh, I know we'll probably get into some more of this, but I wanted to ask you uh, what the communication looks like. You know, you're working with that team. Maybe you're the junior person or the senior, either one. But what, what does communication look like? That's been a difficulty for us, you know, with, say, third party uh, bookkeepers, uh, I know, and even if even if they do a great job and they have a system or or a, a portal that they're putting questions into, it's like it, it's sometimes difficult for us to like get it back to them, right? How do you all handle that, and and maybe how you've seen the most successful clients handle that? Yep, I guess let's just take a step back. If we were engaged with LifeBridge, for example, we'd have an accounting email set up called LifeBridge at rea.co, and we'd say, hey guys, send all of your bills that you want us to get into the system, forward them to that system. If you have any owner questions that come in, forward them to us. We'll answer those questions. That's kind of the main gathering spot for the questions is this inbox. And then we tell people, hey, look, we're going to reply in 24 hours or less. Sometimes it's 48, but if it's an urgent item, put urgent in the email and we'll get back to you within 24 hours, right? That's kind of like the primary way we communicate. 
But then in addition to that, if it's a big client with a big operation, we're going to have a weekly call, weekly touch point. I always just say, hey, look, if we were an in-house accountant, you'd probably have a weekly meeting with your accountant. It's no different. We're your accountant. Let's have a weekly meeting. Uh, other clients that don't need that, that might be a little smaller, we might do it once every two weeks. Once we get into a great rhythm, clients might say, hey, I don't want to do calls. We don't need to do calls. Get the bank recs done. Get the bills in. Let's get the reporting done out by the 10th. And let's do a call maybe once a month or ad hoc calls just when we have a pain point. That's really how we handle communication. Then, like I said before, of course, there's always those situations where you want to pick up the phone or if you're in an office, you want to want, want to walk down the hall and talk to Mark or Whitney. In that case, we're not in your office, but just we give all of our phone numbers to the team. Give us a call. Don't answer. We'll call you right back. And if you're trying to get a hold of your accountant in-house. Yeah, no, that's helpful. I like what you said, too. It's like if, if you have somebody in-house, you're probably going to have a weekly meeting with them anyway. Uh, and Correct. so why not go ahead and have that even if the person is you know outsourced versus being somebody hired on the team directly? Whitney, I just, I guess, curious if you don't mind me asking, how does that kind of compare to your cadence with how you guys are running your accounting today? Yeah. You know, so we've had a third party bookkeeper for a few years now and, and they've worked hard for us. I think they've, they've done a, done a good job. I think it's been, you know, I think the call, as I was thinking about that, we've had different types of call. I know early on, we also had a, a pretty frequent call uh, and then we've kind of pulled back from that. However, I do believe that that would almost help hold some accountability to our team, right? By having that call or if there's outstanding questions of what is this transaction or what is this, you know, supposed to be uh, that that right there on the spot that they could just ask us, you know, that probably would have been helpful, you know, where I may not take the time or have the time uh, every day to go in there and answer those questions. But Hey, if we have that weekly call, we can knock out all those questions in 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. What is this? I just, you know, and me or somebody on the team just spout out what it is and they just knock through it right then. Right. Uh, And so that's where I think like that, that call continual, at least for us, uh, would be helpful where we put, like you said, we kind of pulled back from that when we felt like, okay, we got a good rhythm, but then I feel like it kind of hurt us probably a little bit on not, you know, keeping up with all their questions at times. But then it was more for us. uh, Some of the K1 issues has been on the, you know, the CPA firm side as well, not as much keeping, but then uh, I, maybe you can speak to this, the communication between our third party bookkeeper and our CPA firm at the time who are not our CPA firm now, I'll just say for investors that listen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the communication between those two, I think were, it was difficult, right? Yeah. Uh, and so how, how does, how is that handled? You know, I, I'll say I have my own CPA that I want to use, but I'm using you all for, for bookkeeping. What does that look like? Yeah, it's a good question. And let me add just one more thing and then I'll come back to that, which is because you just sparked a thought is the communication works best when there's somebody internally that's deemed the accounting point of contact, right? The POC, if it's that controller we're working for, then it's kind of obvious. If it's a couple owners that have just outsourced it, it really helps if one person just takes the lead. And if they don't know the answer, they'll go around the company and figure out the answer. Because if nobody owns it, you know, I was always taught if there's more than one owner, nobody owns it. And so I would just say, I think, you know, the accountability piece you're talking about, but when there's one designated person, that's what we always kind of shoot for in our onboarding. Now, in terms of taxes, what I would say is, and we've talked about launching a tax team group offering. 
Uh, it's just a very different business, so we haven't done it yet. But what we do do is, at this point, we've got a couple CPA relationships that we refer people to, just to people that have done good work for our clients in the past. So I'd be happy to make a referral for you if you're actually in market. If you're not, don't worry about it. But then we've got a really good relationship with these organizations. So it's really easy for them just to email us directly. Hey, we need the trial balances. Hey, what is this? Hey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know where I'm going. Of course, if it's a new CPA, then we just have to be responsive and good people. You know, I used to work at CPA firms, so I understand the process and really get it. And our team does too. But obviously it works best when we continue to work with these kind of groups that we've done a lot of work with. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.